welcome, welcome everybody back to a new episode of the UW Film Club podcast where each episode we talk with a member of the club about a film of their choosing, whether it be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm your host, Rohan Patel, and joining me today is Austin. Austin, how, how's it going? Going pretty well, excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, how's, we're recording this on... President's Day weekend, so any plans to celebrate the 46 presidents that have come before? <laughs> before. Uh, I think I'm going to go to a concert this weekend, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, Celebrating the legacy, I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. And so today, Austin has chosen to talk about a movie that I love dearly, that is uh, consistently in my top four favorite of Letterboxd, um, Inside Lewin Davis. So for those listening, if you are interested in watching the film, which I would highly, highly recommend, um, go ahead and do that. You can find it on Amazon Prime. It's streaming as of mid-February. But other than that, uh, if you have listened and maybe you haven't seen it in a while, I'm just going to give a quick little summary of the movie before we get into some spoiler talk so that you all have a little context. So. Um, Inside Lewin Davis uh, follows the uh, life of a musician named Lewin Davis trying to make it in the indie folk music scene of Greenwich Village in the 1960s. Um, It starts with a scene of him singing a song at the Gaslight Cafe, which is a real cafe in Greenwich at the time, and I'm not sure today, but... um, And then he uh, is called to the alley where he is um, beat up by a southern gentleman for, like, no apparent reason at all. Um, and then it cuts to a scene waking up in a friend's, uh, the Gorfins. They're a couple in New York. I believe the husband is a professor. Um, he wakes up in their apartment, and as he's leaving, and locks uh, the door locks behind him, but the cat uh, of the Gorfins escapes. Lewin then has to pick up the cat, and he goes to another friend's house, uh, Jim and Jean, to find a place to crash for the night. Um, Jean informs him that she is pregnant and that uh, Lewin could be the father. Um, and so she asks him to pay for the abortion. Um, he performs that night, and the next day, right before he goes to the gynecologist's office, the cat actually escapes from the apartment, and Lewin loses the cat. Um, that day, um, before that, though, he goes and performs a gig uh, b- uh, that Jim uh, invites him to. It's a song, a very fun song, uh, of a space theme song with uh, Jim and his friend Al Cody. And uh, at the end, rather than agreeing to royalties over time, he takes, Lewin takes the $200 straight up um, initial payment so that he can pay for the abortion, but goes to the gynecologist's office to settle the payment, but that gynecologist informs him that Davis actually has unused credit in their office because he did previously prepay for an abortion for another woman, and that that woman ended up not going through with the procedure and instead chose to raise the child in that woman's hometown of Akron, Ohio. He then meets Jean to explain this, only to see uh, a cat outside that looks like the Gorfins and hunted down. Um, He then goes to the Gorfins to return the cat and they invite him over to sing for dinner. Um, They invite him to play uh, Fare Thee Well, a song from uh, Lewin Davis's last album he recorded with his friend Mike, who had recently committed suicide. Um, One of the owners starts singing Mike's part as Lewin's performing, and Lewin gets very, very angry at her for doing that. Um, And then the couple then looks at the cat and realizes it's not there because it's literally the wrong sex. Um, So Lewin just takes this cat and in an attempt to find a producer to record his next album, leaves for Chicago, 
Um, he hit. He essentially travels with two musicians who he has never met before. One of whom, played by John Goodman, overdoses on heroin at a rest stop. Partway through the trip, right when they're about to reach Chicago, the other musician for the car is actually arrested when they're pulled over by the police for resisting arrest. Um, they, uh, abandoning the car, the cat, and the other musician, Lewin just walks the rest of the way to Chicago. He gets there, he produces, uh, he's, he performs for the producer who offers Davis the chance to make an album, but as part of a trio, because he thinks he can't do it by himself. Uh, Lewin Davis declines that offer and instead hitchhikes back to New York. And on the way there, um, he ends up actually driving the car of the car owner as he sleeps in the passenger seat. Um, he, he passes an exit to Akron and then hits a cat on the highway that looks very much like the cat that he thought was the actual real cat. Um, uh, uh, and that cat lifts it to the forest. Um, he finally returns to New York and dejected, decides to use the last of his money to rejoin the Maritime uh, Marine Union. He pays his dues with that money and he attempts to go and get his seaman's license from his sister but learns that she actually threw it away at sort of his weird, not pr pretty vague behest earlier in the film. Um, he goes back to the union and learns he cannot actually afford to get a new, like, a new license reissued. So he's kind of just stuck in the same situation. He goes back to the Gorfins to apologize. They forgive him. They tell him that the space song that he recorded is actually about to become like a major hit. Um, and Lewin learns that the cat, uh, the original cat, whose name is Ulysses, um, comes back to them on his own uh, accord. He then later meets Jean that night, who tells him she got a gig at the Gaslight Cafe that the next night for him. Uh, but that night he goes to the cafe and drunkenly heckles a woman performing at the time and is thrown out. And then we cut to the final scene of the film, which is basically an expanded version of that opening scene. There he performs a diff another version of a different song on his album, and then as he's walking out to the alley, passes what we presume to be a very young Bob Dylan performing and uh, goes through the alley. Um, he's beat up, same as before, by a Southern gentleman. And as the Southern gentleman uh, drives into the night, he says au revoir. And that's where it ends. So that is a pretty brief synopsis. Um, very interesting movie. There's a lot to talk about. But I will ask you, Austin, because you chose this, um, always interested. Why? Why this film? Um, I know you're talking about you're a big fan of it, but um, why? Uh, what draws you to this? What's drawn? Because this is not necessarily the happiest film. So what's <laughs> what keeps you coming back to the film over and over again? Um, I the first time I watched it, I was back in Texas. I'm from Texas originally. Um, so and I was waiting to know whenever I would go up to Washington, and so the film's themes about um, sort of being stuck in a, in a routine, in a cyclical life uh, really resonated with me. Um, and I love folk music. Um, I grew up on it. My parents uh, definitely loved folk. Uh, so it's very comforting to me. But yeah, that, that was sort of what first drew me. I feel a lot of myself in Lewin's character at points. And it's just brilliantly acted. I love to watch Oscar Isaac just exist on the screen honestly like this cast is really stacked and it's weird because a lot of these people kind of look like the only person that probably was the major drawing point but when we look at it 2013 was justin timberlake yeah um 
But like Oscar Isaac plays Lewin Davis. This is before he became Poe in the Star Wars movies, and he's gonna be in Marvel now. Carrie Mulligan, um, before she got her Oscar nomination. Um, Al Cody's played by Adam Driver. <laughs> Amazing. And so there's just like people that pop up, and you're like, huh? They're they're like before anything like major like they become like a major star in hollywood a lot of these folks so it's really cool to see in that regard i agree <laughs> it's yeah. wild yeah yeah and uh yeah i think we could start with the music because that is also what i absolutely love about this film i think in a club a couple weeks ago i programmed oh brother where art thou which um i think we haven't mentioned this um this movie is directed by the cohen brothers yes. in 2013 um, who directed Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And clearly they have a fascination with folk music. <laughs> and based off of you liking it, I also love folk music. I didn't think I realized how much I loved it until I think this movie, actually. Um, because after the movie ended, I was, I was like, all right, let me listen to this. But they don't have the, they don't have the, a full like, yeah. soundtrack album on like, Spotify or any streaming services. So I just have to like resort to like YouTube. <laughs> but um, before I had YouTube Premium, so that was a pain in the butt. But a lot of what folk music seems to represent in in general in society i think was really interesting to me because like it's very much a music that was to my knowledge sprung from like the economic Mm -hmm. hardships of the of the great depression in the 30s and so the theme of the the, lewin's sort of being stuck (laughs) in this very impoverished um this he's basically homeless he's couch surfing which is homelessness in a different uh, context, but I think that was a really smart choice. Yeah, I and also T Bone Burnett, who was Bob Dylan's guitarist for a long time, was a producer on this, and I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I loved um, going in and sort of doing some research on the film when I, I think the second time I saw it, um, you know, I discovered who the film is loosely based on, Dave Van Ronk. Um, and it was really nice to be able to listen to all of his music and figure out what they didn't put in the film. Uh, some songs on his album are really funny. Really? Uh, really? Uh, like, well, like what, what, do you remember any specific examples? Uh, there's one where he talks about how much he loves fried chicken. Um, yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it, it's just a very, like, um, not a very focused album, which I, I think is very interesting. His performance of Hang Me, Oh, Hang Me is iconic. Yeah. Listening to it, it is sort of heart-wrenching. And I love how they use the song in this film. I think it really is a good representation of Lewin's character and where he is at the moment. Yeah, and I think, um, like we talked, I think we, in our summary we mentioned sort of the the Mike later, but I but Mike comes up immediately. Mike, because that's one of the first things after that opening scene is him looking at the album, and we know he's part of a duo. Um, and I think the grief of losing him is very much, is very smartly, that song sort of encapsulates that and the depression that sort of Lewin is in throughout the film. And I, I, I agree. I love that song. I love um, uh, Shoals of Herring. When yes. he goes, I don't, I don't think we mentioned it because it's a really small detail, but in, when he's trying to join the Maritime, he goes back to his father and he performs it. And his father is amusingly unmoved by his performance, which, and that's the thing though. Like I was thinking about this a lot, and like think I think it was really interesting because because oh, I was reading a lot about the film, and the Coens were like, we need somebody who sings because yeah. I think which is a smart. I I'm not a big fan of dubbing performances <laughs> really. Um, I think there's a 
there's a there's a real power in having people sing on camera with their voices. And so they went through a lot of musicians and they were like, all the musicians were great. But when we got them to do anything dramatic, like they were like, it's dog shit. And so they found Oscar Isaac, who was a band performer and went to Juilliard and seemed like and that was really fascinating to me because I think I think if he didn't sing well, like them prioritizing that, I think was a really smart decision. Because if he didn't sing well, we're like, well, yeah, no shit, you're broke because, you know, you're suck, like mm-hmm. objectively. But like, we feel this really strong pity for him because he's actually good. He's captivating. He's yeah. really captivating. And all of his performances throughout the film are very strong and like I listen, I'm happy to listen to. The, I love. I love when I like forget the album, and then like uh, like months and months go by, and then I'm just like, huh, I remember this movie, and then I just listen to it. And I'm like, oh, this music slaps. That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That scene with his father is so hard to watch for oh, me. Yeah. Um, to see how wonderfully he performs and like. Um, how emotional he is throughout it yeah and just nothing on just his nothing. father's face yeah 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 and i think that's another thing about the cones which is like they get like in the, a lot of small parts in their films the people that they cast are relatively unknown but their faces are so mm-hmm. interesting to look at and so his father is very much what i imagine like a man who's dying but also like just doesn't care about the world to appear <laughs> And it's really, it's really sad to watch because on one hand, but it's also really funny because like Lewin's reaction isn't like sad. It's just like, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like I did this amazing performance. I poured my soul into this and like not even my father recognizes it to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think that I like if I would highly recommend like there's playlists on YouTube for folks that have not, that are interested, like would recommend um, giving the whole like soundtrack a listen because it is quite an excellent. I think if you um, for if there are any film club folks who did watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou a couple of weeks ago, um, I and you like that music, I think um, this goes into a much more melancholic aspect <laughs> of folk music. But I think it's still really good. Um, for sure, that that's the folk music I listen to a lot. Yeah. Um, so it was nice because um, I, I always loved folk music even when I watched this movie yeah. and so I was introduced to a lot of new songs and stuff a lot of the instrumentations done by um, the Punch Brothers yeah and then I remember they said I think they were on um, also if I, I, was, I mean we should mention this I should mention this now but if anybody do you have the Criterion Collection DVD I, I would know. really recommend that version of the movie because I mean aside from the restorations and stuff they have a whole folk concert of all the songs plus like a lot more and you can look it up on oh. Spotify but like um, you can see like a lot of the collab like they got Oscar Isaac Adam Driver Carrie Mulligan they all sing parts in the thing in the the concert album it's it's really fun to watch as well it's just like a good time if you're just like want to put something on so if anybody has that but yeah the punch i, re, I bring that up because the punch brothers were a major part of the performances in that so i can de- I, I definitely see why yeah yeah it was like they were melding um a lot of sort of like new folk and how the genre has continued into some of these classic older songs in the genre which is really cool to watch yeah that's uh, yeah and i i love sort of that blend of like the old 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 traditions but like new voices sort of thing that's a i think a really interesting thing in a lot of movies like um like i know damien chazelle was kind of unrelated did that sort of went for that in la la land and that's i think why 
I like a lot of the music from that movie, but yeah, so music, A plus from us, <laughs> go, go listen to that. I think another thing that I really wanted to talk about is um, the look of the film, because I think one of the things, because I've seen like a lot of people that really liked it, like liked the, the, the film. And so um, the movie shot by Bruno Del Bonnell, for uh, those who don't know, he's done a lot of good. He recently got nominated for Tragedy of Macbeth. He just shot, um, he, he, he did that. Um, I don't, I think, no, Deacons, uh, but he did, I think he did uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs as well for the Coens. Mm. But um, I think the other major nomination was um, he did Darkest Hour, which I, mm. so say what you will maybe about the storytelling of that film, but that film looks incredible. I, so when I looked at those and then I looked at this film, I was really struck because I was really off put by how it looked. It looked very bland. Mm. It kind of looked really desaturated. It wasn't like a really inviting thing to look at. And I think that's why I unfortunately put off the film for <laughs> however many months when I was back in the early days of quarantine. But um, I think it really works. Yeah. I think it really works for the themes, the tone of 1960s struggling artists. vibe. <laughs> I don't know. What did you? What, what, what were your thoughts about that? If you, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I um, look just looking at like shots of the film. It is a bit off-putting. Um, people look pale, mm -hmm. and uh, there's like a blue tint almost to everything, mm -hmm. like a pale blue. Yeah. Um, but for me, it really emphasizes his sort of cycle that he's in with trauma mm -hmm. and how the world doesn't even seem to affect him that much. Um, he doesn't have any real deep relationships except maybe with Gene, and that's a complicated yeah. relationship, <laughs> or at least that aren't shown in the film. Yeah. And so it sort of emphasizes how he's just living day to day, yeah. not really thinking of the future, which is a big theme yeah. in the film. Yeah, everything seems the same. Everything seems bland. Yeah, there's a real um, mundane aspect to, yeah. to the existence of Lewin, who's living very much in the present. And I think like, if we go back to the, to the story aspect, like the whole fact that he took the the money over the royalties and then like the the move the song's actually going to be a hit even though even as funny as it is it's clearly not the music Lewin wants to make which you know I think is a very common struggle in terms of the the one for them one for me sort of situation you find in a lot of like Hollywood filmmaking um, but uh, I think it's I think that was a very interesting um, decision that they make because. Very, very rarely have I ever been off-put by a Coen Brothers, like, looking <laughs> film, especially with, like, Roger Deakins behind a lot of their films. So I I was very surprised by that, and I, I, I agree. I also found it really, really interesting um, just how... I mean, we I, I think we can sort of talk about sort of... I think while we're on the subject of, you know, the sort of um, not thinking about the future and cycle... Um, the structure of the film and the writing of the film, I think, yeah. is really like the the opening and the ending. I think are really really interesting in terms of because I've heard people are like those are different scenes multiple mm. times. I don't know. Do you, I, do, would you agree with that? Do you think they're different scenes? Because I've heard that from multiple people, and I was I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah. Sure, I I think it's different scenes. I think he is in a cycle, so things. Uh, happen very similarly for him in his life. Um, but I think it's a different time he plays at the Gaslight, especially uh, his performance of uh, Fairly Well in yeah. the last scene. Um, 
you can tell in the scene that he's processing pain in his performance, which is a acting feat uh, yeah. to be able, while singing, to show that sort of emotion. It's a very complex emotion. Because mm-hmm. it's not just pain, it's him realizing his own pain. But yeah, I think in his cycles, he's making slow progress to break out of that circle. And you can see him kind of pulled in different ways throughout the film to try and pull him out of that same day-to-day life, uh, a lot of which he actively combats. Yeah. Uh, It seems he's comfortable in his circle, even if it's painful. But yeah, I think it's a different scene. I think it's a continuation of that cycle that he's living. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because I always... Every time I look at that scene, I'm like, it's the same... Like, to me, it's the same scene, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting. And I think that inability to distinguish the two (laughs) goes really hand-in-hand with how it's shot. Because, like, there's there's a very consistent look, um, not just in the color palette, but the, the way everything is shot and stuff like that. And so I think it really plays into how, like you said, how comforting sort of the depression in a way is for Lewin. And I think that's a very specific way of looking at depression that's not really examined a lot in films. Um, Sort of the fact that a lot of people who suffer from depression, and I've had firsthand accounts of this, where, um, you know, you just feel like that sadness is the most comforting thing. And it's a very real feeling and it's a very sad thing. But the way that they've incorporated that into the oh this is he sort of wants to be in the cycle even though he wants to of course make it he finds like no problem with sort of being stuck in in this thing and so if they're if they're the same scene you know if it's like just like you know the cohen's actually just like um purposely trying to to get us to think that that's good but if it's also a different scene i think that is also very powerful and the ambiguity of that i feel like is really it's emotionally the, resident yeah yeah that's the strongest thing about it is that you don't know yeah. I, I think because yeah it makes you question it more it makes you think about it a lot more critically and deeply but yeah it completely changes the film uh for me the first time i watched it because i had loved it the entire way through my first watch but then that that happened and i was like what i need to watch this again I think that was the first thing that had me come back to it. Yeah. Was how unique the writing of the movie was. Yeah. And I I think like the cyclical structure and just sort of just because Davis never really he's very much I feel like a reactor in a mm-hmm. lot of the situations in his life. Like he's not necessarily well, he, he he he's not going to the abortion because he wants to. He's going because Gene essentially like yelled at him, <laughs> called him a fucking asshole, okay? which is hilarious. And also like that's a big thing which I wanted to get into later, the humor. But just the things that, that get repeated over and over again. I think the cat is a really major yeah. metaphor throughout the film. Cause like it's it's really smart because like literally I think the when he's trying to call the Gorfins when he first gets locked out um, the, he tries to call like I think the the secretary gets on and he's and Lewin's like I, I I'm, my name's <laughs> Lewin Davis and I have the cat and the woman or the guy repeats on the phone I um uh, Lewin is the cat no Lewin has the cat but that literally the cons are telling you the the cat and its wandering and its confusion of its own identity is sort of where Lewin is at in his yeah. life throughout this week and I, I I found it really cheeky and also like really funny <laughs> that, that entire his entire um, um, crusade with that cat <laughs> yeah uh, one of the scenes very early in the film after the cat first gets out and they're on the subway and it's basically the cat's perspective of the train moving 
That was my first sort of like, huh, Yeah. this is how he <laughs> seems to feel. Yeah, I love that shot. Uh, it's shot so, so well. Again, I think a lot of the, you can see the camera work is mm-hmm. incredible. Even though the film has sort of unappealing tones to it, a lot of the shots are profoundly interesting and even pretty. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think it's a movie that the look, like, the look exponentially grew on me, like, after I fell in love with it, like, the second and third time, I'm like, oh, this is, like, a <laughs> beautiful movie in a very strange way. But I'm trying to, I mean, I think I think there's a good time to bring up the humor, because we're talking sure. about the writing, because um, <laughs> this is something I never, like, I was, I remember, and I can go back through my letter, it must have been the second or the third time, because... This is a very sad movie about a, a essentially a loser who can't get out of his situation and sort of just like accepts it, you know? Yeah. And like by the second time I watched it, I was like, this is a really funny movie. <laughs> there are a lot of the the cat, um, the the absurdity of a lot of this stuff, which I think is just pure Cohen Brothers. Mm-hmm. If anybody's seen, I mean, we should, we showed um, a serious man. Um, Raising Arizona, yeah, yeah, I mean, Big Lebowski, especially, like, all those comedies play into the absurdism really well, and I think, like, as dark as it is, like, I would 100% call this, like, a black comedy in Mm -hmm. terms of, if you're defining a genre for it. How how did the humor work for you? Yeah, I I definitely agree, and a lot of it comes from Lewin, which is really interesting, is he turns a lot of his pain and his sort of a miserable existence into humor yeah. uh, even sometimes uh, not great humor um, yeah. <laughs> during like his heckling and stuff like that because yeah. he is he is a little bit of an asshole for yeah. sure oh yeah yeah uh, he's not a perfect person by any stretch and not fully pitiable yeah. um, I think a lot of the reason he's in what he's in is his own choices mm-hmm. but yeah especially him and Gene yeah both are funny and uh, <laughs> how they interact with each other yeah I, I, I and I, I I found like his whole when he's driving with John Goodman the entire <laughs> conversation is so funny especially when like because that's when we actually learned that Mike died by suicide yeah. and he's like how did your partner die he's like he's fucking threw himself off the George Washington Bridge and it was it's a it's a it's 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 really dark but I mean, I think it's a really, I mean, this is the thing, this is like the perfect example of, because I see a lot of films that try to make humor out of sadness, mm. but it doesn't really feel like the characters find what they're, what's happening funny. No. Um, it feels like they're, and I don't want, I don't want to name Don't Look Up, but like, this is <laughs> essentially like, the, the, this is what like a lot of people who defend Don't Look Up, which I find not a bad film, but like not certainly the greatest. I feel like we need to laugh at misery and i agree i think that's a very basic tone but i think the fact that a lot of the humor is coming from lewis lewin and his and his decisions um and how he interacts with the people around him is just um like geez like like why are you doing this like literally people i like i like in the back of my mind i'm watching this movie and i'm like yo like i would give up on like i yeah. like I, you're yes there's like a, a, a there's like a good person in you but you're just a fucking asshole to people all the time <laughs> and i get and like i think unraveling that of how oh this is how he's processing his misery this is how he's processing his recent grief his inability to like really make for people to understand him to a mm-hmm. very deep extent which i think if there was like a major cohen brothers theme that is to be named it is the inability for people to understand one another and understand life yeah. and i think that 
is just like this movie is pure Coens in in that <laughs> writing, in that humor, and in that darkness. I think it's definitely the first Coen Brothers movie I watched that I felt like a personal connection to. I've definitely watched a lot and enjoyed them. Yeah, but it was the first one where I was like, wow. I feel moved yeah. after watching this. Yeah, I, I, and like I think I think I'm I'm very caught up in the characters, but in what their decisions, and I understand them 100. percent But I agree. Like I had a connection to Lewin mm. in this sense, um, in 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 that in that sort of grief and sadness in in a very deep way. You know, it, it reminded me of where you know when, when I've been sad. You know, and I think it's it's very powerful um, where that can go. I think we should. I, I do want to talk about also like him as an artist. I know we talked about earlier, sort of how at, like like the reason I think this movie works a lot is because Lewin is like Oscar Isaac is a is a very wonderful singer and yeah. performs with a lot of emotion, um, which I think the best music movies, not necessarily musicals, but music movies, I think definitely need. But I think that's like one of the deep themes to me is the inability for people to understand that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did, was that, like, something that picked up, you picked up initially, or was it more the depression or, like, the grief or how he processed that themes? I think for me it was the uh, almost his isolation. Even though he's constantly surrounded by people, he, almost by his own actions, again, he doesn't have any real close relationships. People yeah. don't seem to fully understand him. Gene doesn't fully understand him, for sure. Uh, the closest person he is to in the film. Yeah. One, one of the scenes that always gets me is, um, you know, originally at the, the Gorfines, he um, explodes on uh, Mrs. Gorfine. I don't know her yeah. first yeah. name. Um, for singing Mike's part. Mm-hmm. And initially when you watch it, you, <laughs> you're like, okay, this is an asshole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he's just being really mean for no reason. Uh, and then you sort of pick up on something definitely happened with Mike and then you figure out Mike killed himself and then that final time with the Gorfines when she goes up to hug him and apologizes and you can see on his face that he he almost breaks um, in a very his voice breaks too in a very like compassionate way first time you really see it in the film where he genuinely feels sorry which was very moving for me, even though it's a very small little line. It's like, he's starting to process his mm-hmm. own. He's realizing why he's angry and why he uh, he's living this way. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting thing because he has those moments of realization, but by the end, he doesn't change. Nope. He, yeah. he is not a changed person. And it's one of those rare movies where you can get away with that because usually you, in most Hollywood films at least you're expected to either have a positive change or a negative change based off of the hardships but it definitely that isolation and sort of just bouncing around between people not necessarily because you care about them but because you need a place to crash for the night like literally he doesn't know Al Cody and mm-hmm. he's just and Al Cody's like my place is a dump and then Al Loon's <laughs> like but does it have a couch and then he goes and stay, uh, crashes on Al Cody's place for a night and so I think, I, I, and I think those people, the the more he's connected to, the more he realizes his own flaws. But 
I think it's also really complicated for Lewin because, you know, the, the one person, I, um, even though Mike's not brought up a lot, I think his presence is really felt in yeah. that you can very much, I think, assume that they had a very deep friendship that was clearly, like, there's a heartbreak there. And yeah. that's why perhaps he's not really connecting with a lot of people or not really, like, offering to make like follow up on these people that actually kind of cared about him in a very strange way like yeah 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 that that's one thing i realized throughout the film i'm like why do they still put up with him yeah and i i think the presence of mike and the knowledge of what happened with mike keeps a lot of them there and also points to he might have been a different person before mike you know committed suicide obviously uh, a lot of similarities, but yeah. it, prob- it could have profoundly changed him and how he acts. I love how self-centered he is yeah. <laughs> throughout the entire movie. One of the first um, the first kind of hints of it is uh, whenever, I'm forgetting his name, the, the one he makes fun of for being a robot, um, one, one of the singers uh, is inviting someone up to the stage and doesn't say who. And Lewin automatically assumes it's him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it makes sense for his character that he just doesn't have that relationship with anyone else yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, people fail to sort of recognize him. And so, but but he, he recognizes himself. Cause, and I think we, the audience, recognize how good he is at what he does. And so, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, I think those, those little moments where he's self-centered, I feel like, is, is less him just being arrogant. Uh, it's arrogant, of course. Yeah. But, like, I think he's arrogant because he's like, oh, this is, people need to recognize me. I, I've been <laughs> waiting for my time for a long time. And, you know, he waits, he waits, and it just it just never comes. And I think he continues waiting because the other thing about the ending that I, I didn't, I, I realized I didn't mention was that last, that last line, au revoir, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm not I'm not a a, a French linguist at all, but um, but like a lot of people that I, when I was reading and listening to people talk about the film, they think that's a, like they're a bit questioning as to why he says goodbye to the stranger. Yeah. But I like in in French, au revoir is not necessarily goodbye. It's until next time. Yeah. And so and like like going back to the whole repetitive cycle, like that is that is very much a an open ending and. Him realizing that he is stuck in this sort of cycle of isolation and get, uh, being an asshole, making the <laughs> wrong decisions, and his character decisions are ultimately the reason why he is going. The world will push him away as much as he wants to be a part of the world, and I think that's a very poetic and a very emotional thing for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love that it's not just external forces keeping him there. I think that would rob a lot of the power of the film that he chooses not to go in with a group. He has a job offer, something that he worked really hard to get. You know, he traveled in that car with John Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> John Goodman's character. Um, and then walked the rest of the way. Yeah. And, and he, he still denies it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, the, 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 the shots of, of, you know, him just, like, getting soaked in the snow and stuff like that. Like, it's just... At some point, you're like, man. and like the thing is, is like he he does decide to throw in the towel, but he's so poor that he is like forced <laughs> to like not throw in the towel, which is like, yeah. dang, like like what a fucking loser, like <laughs> like honestly, and it's it's like like I don't know, I just I feel like 
I feel like a lot of my favorite movies are generally about losers being losers, and I don't know why I love that a lot, but like that is kind of like what my and so I think that's a big reason why like it's just like dang he's just never gonna win as much <laughs> as he tries. Will he? Yeah. I think it's funny. My um, I think it was after the third time I watched the movie. I love the name Lewin. I think it's so pretty. Yeah. Um, and so, if I have a kid, uh, if I have a boy, I would want to name name him Lewin. It works well with my last name too, Henley, Lewin Henley. Um, I like how it sounds. I think it works, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I think about, I'm going to have to show him this movie Ooh, at yeah. some point and be like, "Yeah, this is who you're. <laughs> this is who you're based on." <laughs> you know what? Uh, I will say, yeah. There, there's because like I'm. My name is Rohan, and people automatically assume, "Oh, did your parents name you after Lord of the Rings?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they did." But if my name was Lewin, the, the, I will have to be like, "Yeah, my parents named me after Inside Lewin Davis." <laughs> after this guy. Yeah. yeah. After this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think the other thing I, I've always been struck by this is that this movie is really good, but like I feel like it's so overlooked by like yeah. Because when you talk about the Coens, I think there's like two in terms of their filmography, at least while while they're together. I don't exclude Tragedy and Macbeth for this purpose, but I feel like there's two very like key moments in which like they had a string of, in my opinion, really good films, and that is like. The late 90s, you know, Fargo, um, Big Lebowski, stuff like that. And then this late 2000s to this movie, which I think was the, I think they're, they're, they're the last great movie they had made since a lot of those classics. And so, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you, I, I get, I, I understand this is not a, hey, honey, let's, let's turn on this for, for <laughs> date night. the whole night. family. Yeah, yeah. it's not a family affair necessarily. And so I understand like maybe, yeah, it's not that, but I'm just like, like, why do you think this film is not recognized enough or not talked? Like, I feel like people should be talking about this movie a lot more than they are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, most of the people that I've shown it to definitely have. Uh, it's their first time. Almost all every time I show mm-hmm. someone the movie, are just like, "Have you seen it?" And they're like, "No." Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is because it definitely doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. Uh, after finishing the movie, it's definitely, um, you know, you're right back where you started. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the exact same scene or not, it's the same concept. So I think that's part of it. Um, the look of the film uh, was definitely, uh, is definitely a put off for some people. Even after watching it, some of my friends have been like, I love the writing, I love the acting. I could not look at that film oh, anymore. God. Yeah. Um, which I understand. Yeah, I understand that, but yeah. Don't agree, but I understand. <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's not necessarily made for commercial, like success. Yeah, um, but but even like critically, like I feel like I mean the the I mean I can look at look at like scroll down here and try to find it. But like I mean yeah, like the the critical response is pretty good. But like in terms of when we talk about you know the when when I hear critics talking about the Coen Brothers, rarely is Lewin <laughs> Davis among like the first three or four that they talk about, and I feel like. It should. And, like, this this movie was very well-received. Like, I mean, I think yeah. I, I read it. won the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival. Like, it, it, it got a couple of nominations for Academy Awards, although it's cinematography. So I would, I would count mm. to your, friend, your, your friends that are <laughs> questioning that. And sound mixing, which, I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. a music movie. But also, I just... I, I, I'm reading right after this. I'm on Wikipedia right now, and mm-hmm. I'm just like... I, I just... I just 
I'm kind of glad I don't have to worry about the Golden Globes personally because like <laughs> naming this and like the best naming Oscar Isaac and the best actor for a motion picture musical or comedy I'm like yes technically those are two very but I feel like it's not either of those at yeah. the same time I don't know it's a um but yeah I just I don't it know. is a weird movie to classify as yeah. well I, yeah. I think black comedy is the closest you can get either that or like a dramedy drama yeah. comedy yeah but yeah, it doesn't fit into boxes very easily. Yeah. Um, so that might be part of it too. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like there's so much to dig into with the movie. Mm-hmm. You, even uh, every watch, I see something different. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I didn't get on the first watch, uh, when he asks uh, Johnny Five, the, um, the valet, as John, yeah. John Goodman <laughs> pronounces it, um, ask him for a cigarette and then like the shot right after... Or, Johnny Five says he doesn't have a cigarette. And the shot right after is Johnny Five smoking a cigarette in his face. <laughs> and it's little little things like that that I miss um, the first few times I watch it because I'm so focused on Lewin and the drama of it. Mm-hmm. Those little bits of comedy are really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I just, I think the other thing is, I think, even though I find the ending really good in context mm-hmm. of the entire film, it, it's not a closed ending. I feel like... No. For me, I, I think I've learned my, 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 like, I love the act of watching movies. Like, I'm not necessarily always, inve- like, I think, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I think I'm, I am invested in seeing where Lewin goes, and I think that, that the curiosity's in the writing, but, like, I think just enjoying the music and sort of just, like, it's a slice of life movie, and I feel like with slice of life movies, like, there's not really inherently a mystery or a dramatic huge question. It's the same thing with uh, Licorice Pizza from this year, yeah. and the fact that a, a, like a lot of I don't understand why the movie ended because like <laughs> like there's nothing really nobody really changed like there was no dramatic change and I'm like well I, I feel like it's a very it's pointing to the fact that narrative wise sure the plot doesn't have a ending but I think we just it's more of just connecting with this character of Lewin mm. Davis that's so well thought out and so well written as we talked about that I feel like I enjoy, I think that's the reason I think I can come back to it as sad as it is again and again because it's the character that is just so well yeah. thought out and so well honest and really that's why I connect with the movie that's a good that's a good point is I love how honest he is throughout the to his own detriment and he will tell someone if he doesn't like them yeah. very clearly <laughs> um, usually very comically yeah but yeah I mean life doesn't have those clear endings um, which I I think is very well represented in the film is like everything doesn't always work out mm-hmm. uh, sometimes if uh, things will end poorly yeah and they don't have to end in a super dramatic everything falling down it can just be a continuation of your life but yeah and there are little strings that are definitely pulling him out of that circle like um his assumed child Mm -hmm. is one of them um especially as he's driving back you know that shot of akron as he's deciding if he goes off the route yeah and that's that's like i I think that i include that in the synopsis because i feel it's like a really important thing because that I think is one of those is one of those places where he could definitely like if he takes that exit and drives and just finds he could have a family he could yeah. get out of this artistic struggle that he's in mm-hmm. but there's a lot that he would have to reckon with and there's a lot of comfort that he has even though as shitty as he feels and as sad as his life is 
this is what he needs to keep doing. You yeah, know? it's a yeah. life he knows. Yeah, and I think that like he's offered that escape multiple times with the royalties, with that, and he just doesn't take it. And I, yeah. I, I think the hitting of the cat to right next to that scene, like mm-hmm. very close to it, is very poignant. Especially if you if you prescribe to the cat being him, which yeah. I, I think it's a very strong metaphor, and I think it is. Yeah, um, he's literally hitting himself in a sense. Like he, yeah, he, like he he's damaging himself. He's neutering right? himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much, honestly. Um, yeah, and, and like the young Bob Dylan at the end as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really like poignant thing. Like it's so he, tragic. Yeah, yeah, because like literally like. People are succeeding, and like they're ju- there's just always going to keep being people that rise up above him as mu- as talented and as good as he is. But he's he's quite a stubborn character, and I, I I really I really think that's powerful. But I'm trying to I'm trying to also look at my notes. I think I covered pretty much most of the things that I really really wanted to talk about. Was there anything on your end? Um, I think there are two quotes that okay. I love from this movie. Yeah. Um, one of them is whenever he's talking to the Chicago producer um, and he tells him to get back with his partner I think is a really yeah. really powerful you can take it two ways basically uh, from Lewin's perspective um, it's either kill myself yeah or stay in that trauma. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he chooses to stay in the trauma mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, and because he agrees with him, he says, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that." Yeah. And it, it's comedic, but you can tell that there is a, a sort of like resoluteness within him. Like, yes, that is what I'm doing. Yeah. Not joining this group because of that. Mm-hmm. I love that line so much. I think that line's really good. Now that you, now that you're bringing it up, because it also could represent, you know. Get back with your partner, who could be the woman well, that he yeah. has a he he has a he has a child yes. in Akron, Ohio, and so I think there's that's that's really interesting. You could also point to that as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really, and his reaction to it is so he seems almost unfazed, like he's already heard it in his head, um, which I I think is really interesting. The other one is his. Um, this is probably my favorite quote from the movie. Um, his talk with Gene about being tired, that he thought he needed just a, a long night's rest, but it's something deeper than that. Yeah. I love that line, and it's it's heartbreaking yeah. to listen to. Yeah. It's the first real show of vulnerability mm-hmm. with his character, which is weird because it's with Gene. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you know he tells him he tells her that he loves her, mm-hmm. which is. You would not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would think he hates her, yeah. and and vice versa. But yeah, I think that line is so powerful to, and, and it shows Oscar Isaac's acting ability very, very well. Yeah, because I think we've all had a moment of feeling like that, of just being so downtrodden and yeah. tired. Yeah. Um, that you just need a break. You yeah. Just need to like sleep and like take a break, but <laughs> something a bit deeper than that for him. Yeah. yeah. Because he knows that he's in this cycle, that yeah. a break, he's yeah. going to go right back yeah, to... Yeah, he, he can't just wake up in a couple of hours. He just needs to get out. But he also doesn't want to get out. He doesn't out. want to do that. It's yeah. so contradictory. And <laughs> I love that. Like, I feel like people are people just inherently are very contradictory in nature. So I feel like that's that, that really hit me. For, for sure. sure. It's, yeah. a, it's definitely a very, it's a very human film. You feel very connected to the characters. And yeah, everything feels real, even though the... 
the look of the film feels so like distant and pale. Yeah. You feel through the characters that it's real. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Any anything else you wanted to bring up before? I think that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, I, this is one of my favorites of all time. I give it five if there are more than five <laughs> stars. Um, I would give it more than five stars. Austin, your final recommendation to folks out there? Yes, please watch it. Um, biggest, uh, best sound system you can while you're watching it. Yeah. Or <laughs> headphones, one of the two. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, it is an incredible film. It's my third favorite yeah. uh, on my list. It's been there for about two years. Yeah. So. Same, same. I don't think it's going anywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, like I said, if you want to check out the, the film, you can go ahead and uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account, go there. Otherwise, it's a, it's a modern movie, so you can pretty much find it on any renting uh, service that, uh, that, that, you, that you go to. But if you did like this conversation you heard today, you want to hear a bit more um, about Film Club in general, you can follow us at Film Club UW on Twitter and Instagram to learn about events and movies that we're screening every quarter. Um, if you're interested in, uh, uh, in more episodes, we have 80 plus more of them. <laughs> um, you can go check those out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Um, I want to thank Austin again for being here. Um, would love you to ha- love to have you back if you have another movie um, for, <laughs> for sure. sure yeah. Um, and yeah, um, that's gonna be it for us this week. Everybody out there, take care, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, y'all.